0: Thank you for joining me on the second episode of the Unique On Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, and I am just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Today, we take you to Tennessee and introduce you to a modern day woman at the world. Well. Welcome back to Unique on Purpose. My name is Rachel Gentleman, and we are here to help you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. And I'm super excited because the Tennessean Donna Sparks is here with me today. She is a wife, a mom, a sought-out speaker, evangelist, director of Story of Grace Jail Ministry. She's the author of several books, Beauty from Ashes, No Limits, Masquerade, and so Donna, you're pretty busy. You've got a lot going on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me on the show. It's an honor to be here, Rachel.
0: Yeah. And you know, what I want to know is I really first, I want to know your story, your testimony, because from my understanding, it's really one of grace and one of redemption. So can you tell us about that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's why my ministry is called Story of Grace. Um, You know, God has just Amazed me by His grace in my life because of where I was and where I am now. Um, I was born and raised in church. I was born and raised in an Assembly of God church, Um, grew up serving God. But after I went through two divorces by the age of 23, I got really mad. (laughs) Yeah, I got really mad at God. And you know how the enemy likes to do, he likes to really make us think it's god's fault even though we know better but we <laughs> <he> will <laughs> it's so much easier yeah, blame blame god
0: than us. it is ourselves right
1: exactly but he will sit on our shoulder and he'll say you know you've done all of this you've tried to serve god and how's that worked out for you and so i started to believe the enemy's lies and just really got mad at god and ended up turning my back on him became addicted to drugs and alcohol made a terrible mess out of my life, um, became suicidal. I was so, so depressed, um, but God led me to another man, which we ended up getting married after dating two months, <laughs> amazingly. Um, <laughs> you know, at that point, I really didn't care. I was just like, you know, the first two I married were supposed to be Christians, and that didn't work out too well, and so this guy was an atheist. Oh, and so. Yeah, right. And I was like, well, you know, the first two didn't work out so well. It can't be any worse to marry an atheist, right? Right. Um, So anyway, we got married. The first three years were really rocky. Now, Brian, my husband, we've been married for 23 years now. Um, But when we got married, he was morally a better person than I was because he didn't uh, drink or do drugs or party or any of that kind of stuff um but he just didn't know jesus mm-hmm. and so on the other hand he didn't care that i did all that stuff so um that made it kind of rough in our relationship because i just took full advantage of that you know i just <laughs> did whatever i wanted to and and that caused our relationship to be really rocky and i think in the back of my mind i thought i'm going to do whatever i can to push him away and if he doesn't leave you know, then then I'll know that, yeah, that he's going to stick around. Yeah, And so, but we had been married for about three years. Um, and then one day we started talking and he said, you know, don't you think it's kind of strange that we haven't gotten pregnant yet? And I was like, yeah. And he said, why don't you go to the doctor and just see, you know, if there's anything going on? And so the doctor told me that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant. And so on top of everything else, all of the depression and everything else, that just heaped up on me um, and it just added to the depression. It was just like one more failure in my life. And so I was just at rock bottom at this point. And that's when... I attempted suicide, but God miraculously spared my life. Um, I go into that in my book, so I'm not going to bring yeah, all just, of that just out. so but- the
0: audience knows, <laughs> she really goes into detail in her book, Beauty from Ashes, which you can get on her website, DonnaSparks.com, but we can get back to that in a little bit. So go ahead, continue on.
1: <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, but God miraculously spared me, and it wasn't long after that, maybe uh, a few weeks that I found out that I was pregnant and wow. I could not believe it and I was like what in the world and you know the holy spirit he knows exactly when to come to us and and draw us and mm-hmm. not that he hadn't tried in many times in the past but I had just been so resistant you know we have to be willing ourselves and so I remember that night when I went to bed and, and he came to me in that still small voice and he just began to speak to me and he said, well, now you're going to be responsible for someone else's life besides your own. Mm. And what is that going to look like?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I thought back to my parents and I knew, you know, they made sure that my brother and I were in church every time the doors were open And so I knew because of that, because of how I had been raised and because of how my parents had trained me up in the way that a child should go, that no matter where I was currently in my life, Mm -hmm. there was always a place that I could go for help. And that was the foot of the cross.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so as I laid there in my bed, I thought, you know what? I want my child to have that same knowledge that no matter how bad things get, no matter how far they stray, there's always hope, and it's found at the foot of the cross. And so that next morning when I got up, I told my husband, Brian, I said, well, I think I'm going to go to church this weekend. Would you want to go with me? And he said, sure. And I thought, oh. well, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <maybe laughs> and so he yes, I'm going to church. <laughs> <That's dumb>. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, um. You know how it is sometimes we want to go to a church where nobody knows anything about us they don't know our business nothing you know and so that was me i was like let's go somewhere where nobody knows me um you know we're gonna sneak in we're gonna sit on the back pew and somehow by osmosis everything is going to be fine when we leave you know right and um, apparently everybody else had the same idea that sunday morning because the back pews were full (laughs) And so that didn't work out so well, but, you know, we ended up sitting close to the front and God was there. I mean, he, that pastor began to speak and he was reading my mail. Mm -hmm. He did not know anything about me, but every word that he said was directed by the Holy Spirit. And it hit me right in the heart. And I just remember sitting there with tears rolling down my face and I was saying, God, just please let the man end the sermon and give the altar call. (laughs) And so he finally did and me and Brian both ran to the altar Wow! and I knelt down and I said, Jesus, I am so, so sorry. Please forgive me for all of these things that I have done. Mm -hmm. And immediately that peace came back in, and Mm -hmm. it filled that void that we try to, you know, the enemy gives us all of these solutions, all of these worldly solutions, and they never work because we try everything that the world has to offer, but it will never fit that space that is God-shaped. And, you know, until we get him into our lives, we don't understand what it is that we've been missing. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, so immediately that peace came back. Um, the addiction ceased at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I walked away from all of it, alcohol, everything. Awesome. Uh, Brian committed his life to Christ that morning. And so after that, it wasn't, but Oh gosh, our, our first daughter was born. And then we found out soon after that we had another one on the way Mm -hmm. and, um, So when our daughters were three and five, God moved us to Iowa. And I said, I do not want to go to Iowa. That is the last place in the world that I want to go. Who moves to Iowa, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, there is nothing there but corn. You know, I don't want to go there. (laughs) And so, um, but God works in mysterious ways. Uh, he moved us there and I felt like a fish out of water. I felt so lost, um, I had been moved away from my family, my friends. I had no one. Uh, We couldn't find a church that seemed anything like we had experienced in the good old Bible belt. You know, (laughs) everything just seemed so different. But I have found that sometimes God has to get us all alone. Yes. And get us in that place to where we are completely focused on Him. And (laughs) we listen to Him because He's all we've got. And so it was in that point in time that he called me into ministry.
2: Okay.
1: And I didn't believe it, you know, not for a second. Did not believe it. And uh, an evangelist came to our church. I'd never seen him before in my life. And he spoke over me and he said, God's called you to be an evangelist. And I thought, oh boy, we got a false prophet on our hands here. (laughs) Because I was like, there is no possible way, Mm -hmm. you know, no possible way and he even followed me outside the church that night. And he said, I know you didn't believe a word that I said. Mm. He said, But I know what God showed me, and mm-hmm. you are called to be an evangelist. And so I didn't accept it. And it was probably two or three years later mm-hmm. at a women's conference, out of about 600 women, um, the women's minister pulled me up out of the congregation, just completely pointed at me and said, come up here. And I was like, oh no. And as soon as I got up there, she began to speak the same thing that the former evangelist had spoke over me. And I mm-hmm. knew beyond a shadow of a doubt at that time that God was truly calling me into ministry. So I said, all right, God, I don't know what this is going to look like, but you know, I'm putting it in your hands. You open the door and I'll go. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's done ever since.
0: Mm-hmm. So you are, in a sense, a modern day woman at the well. Here, the woman at yes. the well has been divorced several times, meets Jesus, and the and she went into Samaria and said, "Come and meet the man who told me everything I ever knew." She was the very first evangelist you see in Scripture. And then, when you study ancient writings, you find out that she and her sons and her sisters all became evangelists and were martyred. I mean yes. not, not that I'm speaking that you would be martyred, but what I'm saying is you are that modern day woman at the well. You have this nasty past, but God met you mm-hmm. where you are at, and now you are saying and come and meet the man who told me everything I ever knew. I mean yes. that's that's amazing. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: So tell me how you go um because evangelists can be anything really broad, but your folk main focus is jail ministry,
1: correct? Yes, that's part of it. It's a big part of it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, God opens doors in places that I've never dreamed of. I mean, I travel all over the nation and internationally. But um, in those times where, you know, I didn't have speaking engagements, I felt him drawing my heart to something you know, even different, and I and I begin to think about it. And I thought, you know, I go and I speak at these conferences, I speak at churches, I speak for retreats, mm-hmm. and I can go into those places and know that probably ninety percent of the people sitting there in those pews or seats mm-hmm. are probably okay with Jesus. You know, they're yeah. probably, you know, serving God already, and and that's great. And I'm, you know, I never every soul is valuable. So I don't, I love it. I mean, I love it because God still shows up and moves and does the miraculous. Mm -hmm. But when I started thinking about the jails and I started thinking about the people in there and, you know, some of them may have had religious backgrounds and strayed, but when I go in there, I'm pretty sure that a hundred percent of them need Jesus, you know, (laughs) instead of that 80% knowing Jesus, I'm pretty sure that most all of them in there need Jesus. And so when you look at that percentage of how many people are you really reaching for Mm -hmm. Jesus, there's no better place to go than into the darkness. Right, And so when God first started uh, ministering to my heart or speaking to my heart about going in there, I was like, God, I don't know if I can do that. You know, sounds kind of scary, mm-hmm. and, um, but he just miraculously made a way for me to do that and not to keep bringing up my books over and over, but No Limits talks about that and about um many of the miracles that I have seen taking place in the jail, Mm -hmm. instant healings, um, just the miraculous breaking out in the jails and prisons because of, you know, just being obedient to go in there. And, you know, the thing of it is I look at that and I wonder sometimes if I hadn't been through all of the things that I've been through, would I still have that passion to reach Mm. them Mm
2: -hmm. you know
1: and when I when I go in it's like I sit down with them and and they're all looking at me because I usually go in they have an auditorium and I go in and they come into the room they're welcome to come in or not and um, they come in and they're all like kind of checking me out like yeah what is (laughs) she here to say to us you know and um, it's just an
0: excuse to get out and do something
1: yeah, right. And so I, I just look at them and I say, you know what? None of you here have done anything worse than I've done. Mm. And from that moment, they look at me like, what? <laughs> you know, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. And and then I just simply share my testimony and what mm-hmm. God has done in my life and where he has brought me from. And as I look out at that group of inmates and see the tears rolling down their faces you know it's not me it's all the holy spirit i mean it's all his work but in my obedience to go in and do what he's asked me to do he moves he shows up he he convicts hearts he woos them to him and they accept him as their savior and it's just been such a beautiful thing to see him move in that way and him draw them away from situations and lifestyles that you know they have found so natural, but mm-hmm. he has shown up. I mean, we have had uh, ladies just saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, and then miracles, healings, uh, signs and wonders, everything is taking place in there. and it's it's all for God's glory, but it's all to show them that we serve a God who still does what he has always done. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, right now the jails are still closed because of COVID and my heart is just like broken. I just can't wait to get back in there. And, um, but so yeah, you know, pray that the doors open up soon so we can go back in, but it's it's just miraculous to see what God does. So
0: what you did was you took the pain from your past you found redemption, restoration, victory in Christ, and you're taking that past pain, and you are now uh, bringing purpose to those in a dark place. So how is it that, I I mean, it's, it's so hard for us who have not been in jail, who have not been in a prison, it's hard for us to fathom how can someone in that situation find victory in Christ when they're in the midst of, being locked up. I mean, explain to me how these women, I mean, I know that they come and and they've got tears when they hear you speak, but how is it that they're finding victory in the midst of being incarcerated?
1: Oh, Rachel, it's so simple. When you have tried everything that the world has had to offer
2: mm-hmm. and
1: when you have tried to fill that void with everything that the enemy has offered and it has landed you in jail mm-hmm. and, and you know that you're there because of the lies that the enemy has put in front of you, mm-hmm. then you're willing to try Jesus. You're yeah. willing to try what will work. And when you find that freedom, when you find that love, because see, the majority of these women are in here because they have experienced the wrong kind of love. Mm -hmm. I would say probably 80%, if not even more of them are in there or have drug addictions and problems because of abuse that they have faced either in their childhood Mm -hmm. or in their adult relationships. And they have tried to numb that pain and tried to Uh, cure it with the help of illicit drugs and other activities, and it has not worked for them. But when they come into that room, and I began to tell them that there is an answer, Mm -hmm. there is an answer that is better than anything that this world has to offer, that there is one who can turn their lives upside down, that can Turn broken into beautiful that can give them peace and mm-hmm. change them from the inside out. And they experience that when they experience his love and they feel that overwhelming arms mm-hmm. his arms that just wrap around them and cradle them. And they they feel that and they experience that. Then they know that there is something so different than what they've experienced mm-hmm. on the outside,
0: and they're finding um, they're finding hope now in a place yes. that is completely hopeless. I mean, depending on how long Absolutely. that they're in there, um, they now have something look, to look forward to outside of when am I getting out of here? Because now mm-hmm. they can turn, just like you, they can turn their past pain and they can turn it into purpose. So, how Absolutely. are you seeing them change? inside the jail, are they starting to have hopes and dreams oh, yes, about, about the future? Tell me
2: about that.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, many of them receive calls into ministry as well. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, it's just so miraculous what God is doing. You know, when I, you know, I go in there and I tell them, you know, what I've been through, but I always play up the upbeat side of it more than you know, giving any kind of glory to Satan because my past is under the blood now. Mm -hmm. And so I don't focus on that. I share that with them so that they know that I can relate with them. But I tell them that what God has to offer is so much better. Plus, when he shows up and they're seeing the signs and the wonders and the miracles take place, and I tell them, this is not something that I alone do this is available to every one of you. Mm -hmm. And I see them go back to their, to their pods and pray for each other. You know, when they get sick, they Mm -hmm. pray for each other. They, they believe now because they have experienced it in church service. They believe that God will answer their prayers. You know, one of the sweetest stories happened in one of the jail services and I'll try to cut it a little short, but I went in, and there was a lady there, and she had a terrible, terrible toothache, and she just couldn't even hardly open her mouth because the pain was so excruciating, and so I said, well, we're going to take care of that right now. We're just going to pray, and and ask God to heal you, and so she said, okay, and I could tell, you know, she really didn't believe she hadn't been in there very long, (laughs) and so I put my hand over her mouth, and I said, Jesus, you know, just a very simple prayer, you know, reach down and touch her, you know, right now, be healed in the name of Jesus, and um, she looked at me like I had literally slapped her, and she said, what did you do, and I said, I didn't do anything, and she said, she said, Oh my gosh. She said, the pain is completely gone. She said, there is no pain. She said, I am literally shaking from head to toe. She said, what in the world just happened to me? And I said, she said, thank you so much. I said, no, no, no. I said, don't you thank me. You thank Jesus. I said, Jesus is the one that did that. Mm -hmm. And so after that, there was another lady sitting there and she said, "Miss Donna, she said, I'm having problems with my shoulder. Will you pray? my shoulder and I said yeah I said but you know what coincidentally and this is how God uses things in our everyday life that we never suspect Mm -hmm. for months I had been having problems with my shoulder I didn't know if I had a torn rotator cuff or what going on but I'm stubborn I won't go to the doctor (laughs) so anyway I was you know I was dealing with this pain in my shoulder I couldn't hardly raise my arm you know I couldn't raise it above shoulder level anyway And so, um, this lady, she was sitting there and we'll just call her Tracy. She said, Miss Donna, I need you to pray for my shoulder. And I said, and she told me what was going on. I said, you know what, Tracy? I said, that sounds exactly like what's going on with my shoulder right now. I said, I've been dealing with this for a couple of months and I don't really know why. And I, and so I said, but I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I said, if you pray for my shoulder, I'll pray for yours. And she said, um. Okay, you know, but she looked really nervous because mm-hmm. she never prayed for anyone out loud or anything like that and so but she had recently been saved, she'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she just wanted more of God and so I said, well, okay, I said i'll I'll pray for your shoulder, but then um, you have to pray for mine afterwards and so she's like, okay, so I prayed for her shoulder and and God healed her instantly, and she was raising her hand. She was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm healed." And I said, okay, it's my turn. You have to pray for me now. And she's like, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> she started praying for me, and I'm telling you, it was the sweetest, most heartfelt, most simple prayer you've mm-hmm. ever heard in your life and God healed my shoulder. I could raise my arm. I had no problems moving it in any direction. And I said, look, Tracy, I said, my shoulder is healed. And she burst into tears. I mean, just started bawling and just fell on my chest, just weeping. And I said, Tracy, what is wrong? I said, aren't you thrilled? I said, my shoulder is healed. And she said, Oh, Miss Donna, she said, you just don't know. She said, I knew God would answer your prayers. Aww. She said, but I never ever imagined that He would hear and answer mm. my prayers. And you know, that's what it's all about mm-hmm. is going in there and helping them to see that not only is Christ our Savior and that He can set them on the right path that he can change their lives and turn them upside down for his glory but that he is the healer he is the miracle worker and that he will hear their prayers that it's not just something that a few people can experience that it's not something that just a a a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary can experience but it's for all of us who believe that's what the word of god tells us and So to see them begin to realize that for themselves and to begin to step out in that power themselves There's nothing like it. Well, just
0: just to see the the softening of their hearts, because most of those women that are incarcerated, they have hardened hearts. They've experienced the roughness, the pain of this world. So Mm -hmm. to watch God move and to soften them and turn into his daughters versus someone who's maybe trying to be God's adversary, <laughs> but but yeah. coming in and saying, Oh, I'm I'm his child. I mean just to witness mm-hmm. that alone is miraculous and beautiful. And what I also love about your testimony, Donna, is that you are a testimony that needs to be heard of parents. Because how many parents yeah are out there that have raised their kids in church and are waiting mm-hmm. for their prodigal child to come home. I'm sure that, uh, I mean, I was raised in the same, well, I mean, raised as a teenager up in the assemblies of God too. And so I've met those parents and I am sure that they were praying for mm-hmm. you all the time. after oh, yes. you had walked away from the Lord. So then to see for them to see their prayers come to fruition of you coming back to Jesus, not just you, but your atheistic husband and then watch yeah. you raise your kids in the lord i mean that's yeah. that's a huge testimony that other parents of prodigals need to hear, so <clears throat> I'm a person who okay, I'm in pain, I have suffered a lot of just uh, of victimization in my life. I just don't feel that God has something for me. if I'm that person listening, what do you have to say to that
1: that that is a lie straight from the enemy that God wants to use you more than anything else. And I will tell you this, I feel like somebody may need to hear this today because I was raised in church and because I knew right from wrong and then turned from God and walked away. When I did come back to Christ, I still dealt with a lot of guilt. I, I knew I had been forgiven And I knew that I was going to make it into heaven, you know, maybe by the seat of my pants, but (laughs) I was going to slide in because Mm -hmm. I knew he had forgiven me. But for a long time, I sat on the pew um, and really felt like God was mad at me. Mm -hmm. I really felt like maybe he wasn't to the extent just mad at me, but that he was disappointed in me because I knew better Mm -hmm. and still took that other path. And so for years, I thought there is no way that God can use me because I messed up and I knew better. You know, I should not have done that. I'm guilty because I just completely, you know, just turned my back on him and walked away from him. And what kind of person does that if they really know Jesus? And, you know, I, I dealt with all of that until I could see that. God doesn't waste anything, and even when we mess up, when we make big mistakes, intentional or not, you know, Mm -hmm. He can still use that because it's just like our earthly children. You know, I tell people all the time, I love my children, and well, they're grown now, but they sometimes they make me so mad you know <laughs> when they were younger especially when they were like 13 mm-hmm. they could make me so mad and I would just literally want to squeeze their necks until their head popped off you know mm-hmm. but <laughs> I would has just ever
0: felt that way before
1: <laughs> no of course not of course not but you know they go to the room slam their door you know and then I'm I'm just simmering mad you know but then after you know two or three hours and they come back in the room and I'll look at them and I'm like that's my daughter and I love her there is nothing that is going to separate me from her because I love her so dearly mm-hmm. and that's the love of a mother and His word says that He loves us even more. You know, even a mother will abandon her child, but He will not. Right. And to know that He loves us so much more than we can even love our children and his anger is only for a little while. You know, he is not going to stay mad at you. He, he loves you. He forgives you. When we come to him and ask for forgiveness, it's gone. It's forgotten as far as the east is from the west, his word says. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have to accept that once we have come into that place of forgiveness, that we have to let go of the guilt. We have to forgive ourselves. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to forgive ourselves because the enemy wants to remind us of all of our mistakes. But until we can get the victory over that and Mm -hmm. say, you know what I'm going to do, devil, you know what? If you're going to keep reminding me of all my mistakes, I'm going to just turn them around and make them my message. Mm -hmm. My mistakes are going to become my message and I'm going to lead everybody out of the darkness that I can. (laughs) <laughs> so how are you going to like that devil right. <laughs> and right. then see if he see if he doesn't back off of you a little bit then because he's not going to want to remind you of something that's going to give freedom to someone else
0: right so yeah go ahead I'm sorry go ahead
1: I just I just want to you know encourage anyone that's that's feeling that way and feeling like well you just don't understand you know I really I really messed up
2: mm-hmm. no
1: God is not looking at your messes he's not concerned with <clears> your <throat> past your past is under the blood. He is concerned with what you do with your future. Mm-hmm. And you can do things for him that you never imagined if you just let him take control.
0: Yes. And, and in order to find victory, I mean you can't just know it in your head. You you need to ask God to do a heart change. But I I kind of, I really loathe the saying, uh, I'm a sinner saved by grace because the bible says i am a royal priesthood so if i'm a royal priesthood i need to act like i am a royal priesthood that i am god's child so that's just what you said reminded me of that Well, Donna, I just want to thank you for uh, giving us a moment of your time and sharing your beautiful story. And if you want to hear more of Donna's story, get her book, Beauty from Ashes. It's all about her grace story. Uh, I've read No Limits. I love all the the miracles that are in that book because I think that there's a, a large portion of the evangelical church that is not believing for miracles. And God is in the miracle business and he wants to do miracles if we just come expecting. So that's a great book. And then her latest book, Masquerade, which is a, really about understanding uh, deception, you can find that at DonnaSparks.com. She is also on Instagram and Facebook. Any last words, Donna Sparks?
1: No, I think that <laughs> pretty much sums it up. I don't want to get started again. We'll go another hour. I know. <laughs>
0: Once again, thank you so much. And join me here next time for Unique on Purpose, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. Thank you again for joining me today on Episode 2 of the Unique on Purpose podcast. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created Unique on Purpose. You are love, and because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you next time.